Hey, hey, welcome to the Felt Recoil Podcast. This is episode number 105. My name is Chris, and uh, we're kind of mixing it up this week. Straight across from me, Mr. Micah, how are you, sir? Good, sir. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. And then to my right now is... Um, it's Patrick. Ah, uh, Philip. For the hundred Philip. and sixth time. Uh, 105. 105. Uh, I guess you did tell me once before one show. All right. Uh, yeah, we met before the podcast, <laughs> dummy. <laughs> That's where it all started. What a mistake you made. Welcome to the program. This week, we're going to talk about, I think, this is the biggest story not being talked about, and that's why it's going to be the top story. NBC caught lying about COVID-19. In fact, a virologist named Dr. Joseph Fair. Now, was he lying? That's maybe not fair to say. But what we do know is the outlet has been slow to really correct the fact this guy never even had it. Uh, despite telling everybody it seeped in, this is not a joke, seeped in through his eyes on a flight. What a weirdo. What anyway. was he doing on that plane? <laughs> yeah, great question. Uh, and then really, uh, it's hard to kind of get away from just the pervasive racism. Just, I mean, it's prevalent in every area of American airwaves right now. Uh, any sort of media there's some sort of racist out there right now. I cannot understand where we're trying to go with this, but I think it's important we kind of calm down, we talk about it, and everybody figure this out real fast. You better figure it out fast because it's not going to get pretty. We got Nick Cannon, uh, soundbite to play. It's about two minutes of Nick Cannon talking about white people and Jews. It's going to make your skin crawl. Uh, Skip Bayless having to kind of cower as he confronts a Louis Farrakhan supporter. And the Felt Recall Show, for the first time, and possibly last, I hope not the last, but this is where we are in the world. The Felt Recall Show is has found common ground with the NAACP. Now, <clears throat> that's hard for me because I don't like calling people of color colored people, but they do. It's in their name. It feels wrong. It does feel bad, uh, but here we are. So we're, we have common ground with the NAACP. Wouldn't it be great if our common ground was changing the name of the Redskins? <laughs> There'd be some really rich irony involved in that, but that's not it. Um, and we'll talk about that, plus our vote of the week. It, it's a good one. You know, it's probably my favorite we've had so far. Vote of the week coming up. What? Mm-hmm. I'm an ambitious officer. Oh. I need to be a part of the 100 Club. Uh-huh. <laughs> we'll get to him. We'll get to him shortly. But first... Um, did you see, and this is our charity of choice, is going to be Operation Underground Railroad again this week. Did you guys see the Wayfair story going around? Pretty hard to miss. Pretty hard to yeah. miss. Felt conspiratorial, correct? Did everybody feel like their tinfoil hats were on a little tighter than normal? Reading it, seeing the pictures, and wondering, that can't possibly be yeah, true, right? at first. But the more I saw, the more I felt like, I mean, it's hidden in plain sight. You, my friend, are 100% correct. Here is, well, he'll introduce himself. Listen to this. Hey, guys, Tim Ballard here, CEO of Operation Underground Railroad. I want to respond to a lot of questions we're getting about this whole Wayfair thing. Look, bottom line, law enforcement's going to flush that out, and we'll get our answers sooner than later. But I want to tell you this. Children are sold that way. 
For 17 years, I've worked as an undercover operator online. No question about it. Children are sold on social media platforms, on websites, and so forth. So I'm glad people are at least waking up to it, especially right now, because 2020 has been an absolutely horrifying year for children. And this is why. There's been unintended consequences due to the COVID-19 lockdowns and the shutdowns. Kids are taken out of the infrastructure that's keep, that keeps them safe. They're told to sit on their, their smartphones and their laptops, and the pedophiles are doing the same thing. They're also home, jobless, and they're accessing our kids. And it's really bad. The reports that came out from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children have confirmed that there's been literally millions of additional reports of child sex assault originating online than there was the same time last year. Our kids are vulnerable, and when we made the decisions to lock everything down, somehow we didn't bring them to the table. They weren't part of the discussion. One crisis then follows the next crisis. Now, what happened to George Floyd was horrible, grotesque, illegal, and that can't happen, and things do need to change. However, this cry for defund the police, what does that mean? I've been watching very intently on what that looks like it's gonna mean, and my fears are being realized as I see law enforcement saying, look, if our city council gets their way on this, or our county commissioners get their way, our child crimes unit is gonna be defunded. Again, are we gonna fail our kids again? Are we not gonna bring them to the table to the discussion on what we do with these societal transformations? Law enforcement already struggles, I promise you, with the resources they need to keep our kids safe. This is not some small thing. This is the fastest growing criminal enterprise in the world. The trafficking of people, of children, their exploitation. There's been like a 5,000% increase of child rape videos online. In the United States, we're the number one demand. We're one of the top destination countries for human trafficking, and we're failing our kids at every corner. It's time to get loud because they can't get loud. Remember, kids can't protest. They can't riot. They can't march in the streets. And so we don't hear from them. But we need to stand up and be their voice once and for all. All right, that's Tim Ballard. So uh, he goes on to talk a little bit about uh, worldwide awareness for human trafficking coming up July the 30th. That'll be the the day of worldwide awareness for human trafficking. But uh, suffice to say, validity to the Wayfair story. And so no better time than to remind everyone, OURrescue.org is a way to get involved. O-U-R, as in Operation Underground Railroad, rescue.org. Kids are being sold that way. That's crazy insane to think about. Kids are being sold that way. Okay. We appreciate it. Hey, podcast is free. Plus, uh, we give you stuff. So uh, take your money and give it to people that need it. All right, not us. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, welcome to our new friends, by the way, Warren, Steve, and Chris Topher. Thanks for all the fun comments on the Facebook page and on uh, Instagram as well. On Instagram this week, we will be giving away a Safariland holster, and we'll have details about that for you in just a minute. First, big story. Okay. We used to update nearly every day, we, or every show, we would update the COVID count. But then it was almost... Too superfluous, right? It was kind of... That's a word for it. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's everywhere. You're hearing about it all the time. And overblown? Is that another word for it? That would oh, certainly absolutely. be another word for it, yeah. Yep. Patrick, you fell out of love with COVID. You loved it in the beginning. It was exciting. Yeah. You were, you know... I had, I had a mask. You were doing shots I for every death. I had a mask death. before anybody had a mask. Think about that. That is true. Way ahead of my time. That is true. Very I'm good not, point, my friend. I'm not saying I'm a genius. 
I'm just saying I had a mask on in February. You don't have to be a genius to be a trendsetter. It's true. You know that. You just have to be stunningly good looking. Right. Popular. Pee Wee Herman in a movie theater. That kind of stuff. Trendsetters. Okay, this took this took a, a different turn that He's, I wasn't prepared for. He was the first I heard of doing it. How does this apply to you? I, Trendsetters. I'm not sure. Thanks, Micah. Get in here. <laughs> Help me out here, bud. Anyway, um, is there anyone at this table who believes COVID-19 is an existential threat at this point? Honestly. No. Okay. Oh, absolutely. No? Okay. Um, I do not either. And I'm kind of over. <laughs> in fact, I'm I'd, not going to say that it's not killing people. Right. I'm not. Of course I'm, it is. Yeah. Because as soon as you say, as soon as you say that and you, and you negate it in any way, the first thing that happens is everybody goes, well, you're one of these pandemic guys or you're a whatever, you know, whatever the, the name du jour is of, of deniers. Right. Right. And I don't, I certainly don't prescribe to that, but I don't know anyone who's died from it. Right. I know very, very, very few people who have actually gotten sick. Maybe less than five. Anybody in your circle, Micah, sick nope. from COVID? Not a single person. I have a term for you. You could be a flat grapher, mm. right? Because they're trying to flatten the curve, but you already think it's flat. Could be. So you're a flat grapher. Thanks. Yep. You're going to hashtag that one. <laughs> I had lunch. Uh, this past week with a guy who has That'll be it. on Rachel Maddow tomorrow. You know that, right? I hope so. And uh, he, I, I said, so how did you find out you had it? And he said, well, I went to one of these free testing sites, and they called me and said, yeah, you have it. And then uh, he only got tested, so he was feeling a little under the weather, and then he couldn't taste or smell anything. So he starts fighting back. You know, He's like, oh, man, yeah, I'm sick. So I said, well, how panicked did your doctors get? Like, what was their reaction to it? And he goes, I never really went to a doctor per se. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my word. I said, are you serious? You never went to it? He's like, I mean, I just knew I, knew I had it. So it wasn't ever really bad. I just can't. So I hooked myself up to the ventilator. No, he's a man's man, that's for sure. So I thought, oh, that's crazy. All right, anyway, uh, one of the things we've said all along is you need to turn the news off because we know the numbers on it. The numbers are extraordinary. Uh, when it comes to you shouldn't be panicked over this, right? Like the numbers very much suggest in all likelihood, even if you have, uh, oh man, now it's escaping me. I'm sorry. What is the uh, emphysema? Even if you have emphysema, you're like 95% likely to survive COVID if you get it and get it bad, right? So you're talking about less than 1% of the population getting it, right? And then of that less than 1%, 95%, you're likely to survive it. It's a very, very small number of people dying from the disease population-wise. And so you have to ask yourself, what, why all the panic? What happened? And we all would say, well, the media, the media. But oftentimes, it's kind of like, well, that's what everybody says. It's a stereotypical cliche answer. So give me something more. Give me something more. Well, my friend. I have that conversation with my wife almost every night. I don't want to watch the news because all they want to talk about this COVID. She's like, I'll turn the news on. I, in fact, tonight I said, no, I'm not going to watch the news because I already know what they're going to talk about. Right. So what's the point? Is it still leading when you do watch the news? Absolutely. Yeah. Every night. See, uh, I don't watch the news. You know this. Uh, I read it when I choose to read it. One of the things, and I mean this sincerely when I, you know, I, I was working in the news talk industry, 
Uh, I had a job where I wrote and read new scripts, right? And so you were constantly consuming news. Did you wear one of those hats with the little press ticket sticking up? That is exactly right. I had a fedora, a fedora, Mm -hmm. uh and I put it uh, in the band, and it said press. And what's great about that is that um, I worked alone from home (laughs) at 2 o'clock in the morning. Okay. Sounds perfect. And so I had to wake my wife up and demand she treat me as if I were important in those times. And one of the things I would do is uh, make her get up and make me coffee. And then when she was like, can't you do this yourself? You know, I would say things like the press never sleeps and you know, run around. <laughs> things that made absolutely no sense. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so stupid. Anyway, here's the point. Uh, when I got done with that job, I'd been in news talk for... Um, maybe seven years total, including the, the couple of years I had with the news talk radio stations, three, four, five. Yeah, maybe six years. Let's say six years. And I said to my wife, I'm just going to turn it off. I'm not going to chase it anymore. I'm not going to worry about it anymore. I feel miserable. I'm anxious all the time. I'm going to turn it off. I'm going to turn it off. And man, did it feel good. Like it just felt like a relief to not, because honestly, one of the things I came to the, to conclude on my own was, well, what am I changing by worrying about all of these things? It's nice to know what's going on. Don't get me wrong. So I decided I would read it and I would find a few trustworthy news sources and I'll follow them on Facebook. And then when I like the headline, I'll read the article. Anyway, I feel like that has helped me mentally. Maybe not. I'm still a moron. Uh, so th- here's this. Doing my work for me. <laughs> yeah, I know. My own peanut gallery. Um, this is why turning the news off is so important. NBC News, this is according to DailyCaller.com, spends weeks documenting its science contributors' battle with COVID-19. But guess what? Now, the guy says, oh, by the way, never actually had it. Not only did he not have it, He's never, ever had it. Dr. Joseph Fair is a virologist. He believed he had the virus. He believed it, and he appeared on air numerous times to discuss his struggle with illness in May and June. On Tuesday, he admitted he tested negative for the virus multiple times, but had originally believed he had it regardless. Fair also tested negative upon taking an antibody test, saying, quote, my undiagnosed suspected COVID illness from nearly two months ago remains an undiagnosed mystery as a recent antibody test was negative. I had myriad COVID symptoms, was hospitalized in a COVID ward, and treated for COVID-related comorbidities. I don't even know what that means. Despite testing negative... He's already making stuff up. I mean, now he's just making words up. (laughs) I'm a virologist. This is a real word. Uh, I'm so grateful to you all for the ongoing support in my recovery. Hey, guess what, Dr. Fair? Uh, We don't support you, so nothing to be grateful for there. Uh, He says he's thankful for his health and to his caregivers, and he hopes the same outcome for those in care for COVID, about which we have yet so much to learn. He was truly humbled by the experience. He says, thank you for all the support throughout. This, To me, this is kind of the death knell in the media's ability to cover COVID, at least NBC News. Because, by the way, um, he suggested in an interview on the Today Show back in May, May 14th, that he may have gotten the virus through his eye during a flight. He conducted the interview while in a New Orleans hospital. NBC News originally told viewers about the negative test, but then just abandoned that part of their narrative as the story continued. 
During a June 14th interview with Chuck Todd on Meet the Press, no one said that Fair had already tested negative at least five times. So you got a guy doing his first interview on May 14th, and then they're using this on one of the most widely watched news programs, Meet the Press, exactly a month later, and he's already tested negative minimum five times, and they say nothing. Who Who is going to convince us this is not a political maneuver at this point? I would tell you that this is this is so under the radar on purpose. Yes. I mean, they, they're actively trying to hide it, right? So the problem is, who are they going to bring on now and tell us, well, this person has it and we're just supposed to believe right. it? Imagine if, if imagine if we knew at this point that Trump had tested positive for it five times, like flipped the script almost verbatim. Like here's the guy that's going around going, it's not that big of a deal. Now, I mean, it was a huge deal this week when he wore a face mask at Walter Reed, right? Everybody's like, oh, see, see, now he knows, now he gets it, now he gets it. Imagine they find out that he tested positive Let's go back five in time times. For a second. Let's go back in time for a second. Remember when this started and people started getting it outside of China? Who was getting it? celebrities mm. oh yeah travelers big, world travelers big time celebrity names right sure yeah because tom Big time yeah tom hanks tom was hanks. one of the first ones to come out it said him and his wife had it in australia and then it was professional athletes and the question became well how come these people are getting it but nobody else is so Fair. to me that reads into the same narrative did tom hanks really have it mm. did all these basketball players really have it mm. or was this sort of Let's say we have pressed, it. pressed upon us. We'll say, huh? It's just a question. Yeah, I don't. I have nothing to back it up. Well, the problem is, I mean, what what can you believe? I mean, that's your point. Yeah, right? that is my like, point. What, what is I don't believe, believe any of it. Yeah, I I don't believe this guy that I've never heard of, and Tom Hanks. I mean, you know, Saving Private Ryan was cool. Castaway was pretty weak, but I mean, you know, something to be said about if you're gonna sell it to the public, hire a professional actor. Hey, hey. Who better can you get? Tom Hanks. He's a lovable, affable guy. There you go. We all trust him because he played Mr. Rogers. He can do no wrong. He's got COVID. Please, God, we can't lose Mr. Rogers twice. It would be too much in one lifetime. That's a good point. And we all rally behind him. And just a side note as well. If Dr. Doctor Fair said he really got it through his eyes, I mean, we would all be wearing eye protection along with mass they would be stressing it mm. and that's the first time that's I've phase ever, three ever, sir ever, ever seen don't get ahead of the script that's the october surprise this year there's always one that's gonna be it we should have been wearing eye pro be, the whole time this is gonna be a long year isn't it well and we're barely halfway through and think about the fact that trump rallies are now to blame for these spikes in cases which, how many have there been? Have there been a whole bunch of Trump like rallies? Two? I just don't know. Two? I'm pretty sure a lot of them have been rescheduled. Yeah. Or- yeah, So, but that's catching a lot of the blame for, for these spikes. But then go back into the Floyd protests and look at how many people were out in the streets. There's a, Have you guys seen the drone shot of like Hollywood where there's just like a sea of people? Yeah. The whole boulevard is literally shoulder to shoulder left to right, and as far back as you can see. Well, listen, you can't paint the Black Lives Matter slogan down Fifth Avenue alone. So, Mm. 
Just saying. Did okay. you guys see the picture on the internet? All right. Somebody taking a picture of like an outdoor seating area of a restaurant in a major city and saying, you know, the restaurants, you know, these these people that were patrons at these establishments were causing spikes in COVID when literally in the background there's a huge protest and a riot. It oh, no back. kidding. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> I'll have to pull it up. But it was Yeah, it, and it is, right? Like they're, they're swaying it to their side of the political aisle. It was all narrative driven is what I'm saying. Yeah. They're going to keep pressing, uh, you know, the story that the uh, states that reopened too fast are now the victim of all this when we're going to completely ignore the fact that everyone was allowed to come out and do whatever they want, burn the cities down. It's just, it's just too weak. Right. As states are struggling to figure out how to handle it. And it is just a, I'll tell you, this This is what proves the politics of it. Because there's no agreed-upon scientific approach to this thing, and they know it's not that dangerous, but they also know that the public is panicked. So now they're all trying to figure out these creative ways to make people feel like they're dealing with the issue when really they're doing bupkis. And so this week in South Carolina, our governor, Henry McMaster, I'll a.k.a. Boy. A- a- <laughs> He comes out. There's a virus out there, boy. And he says, I'll tell you what we'll do. I got it. Hear me out. (laughs) If we stop selling booze after 11 p.m., like let's just say you're not allowed to have a drink after 11 o'clock in any public restaurant, Mm -hmm. um, that, I think, would stop the virus. Okay. And and then what are we going to do? Oh, that. Okay. I'll say it again. But I uh-huh. hate repeating myself. I just want to be very clear. Okay. So I think we stop selling alcohol after 11 p.m. Right, right. 11, 11 p.m. Mm-hmm. And, and then, so, so like, the, what's, what's the other part of your plan? So, he, so I was actually out this weekend, okay? <laughs> and so I was at an establishment downtown, and they did last call at 1030, we're out celebrating a birthday. <laughs> and so it's 1030. Great evening. We're all, you know, a few in. And they call last call. So we're like, okay, let's go get one more. And then and then all of a sudden the bouncers just start, they're like dismissing people. Yeah. And so we're like, okay, well, I'll just, you know, walk towards the elevator with my beer and everything. And then, of course, you can't walk. You can't actually have an alcohol beverage in a bar after 1030, apparently according to this one establishment. So we're all forced to chug our beers. And then, so, so wait, and they're telling go, and you. And then go get on a crowded elevator. So, okay, so they clear the bar out, and then they make were they close? Wait, were, were they closing the whole thing in oh, 11? yeah, they were closing they closed, the entire. Close-up shop for yeah, the night. Yeah, okay. they, they, they wanted their lights off at 11, basically. Is it that you're not allowed to serve it, or you're not allowed you're not to allowed sell to it? You're not allowed to serve it. Okay. Serve, well. I think it's different I county think, by but, county. Yeah. I thought it was a statewide mandate. What? Well, no. So what I'm talking about is so um, I know I've been in some bars in South Carolina where last call, um, you know, they'll call last call. Uh, let's say the bar closes at two, the bar has to be empty by two. Right. I get and then that. I've been in others where they will serve up until two, and you can finish that drink as long as it takes you. The, now the this this I mandate found, might be different. This might just be a a blanket thing, and 
Because here's here's what I'm wondering. Here's what I'm wondering. All right, so this is WLTX.com. South Carolina Governor Henry McMaster is ordering bars and restaurants that serve alcohol to stop those sales at 11 p.m. each night. A new effort to try to get the state skyrocketing coronavirus numbers under control. They're not skyrocketing, but okay. McMaster spoke Friday morning at the state capitol where he announced a new, what he dubbed, last call executive order. Clever jackass. Many of the young people seem not to be taking the virus as seriously as they should. I mean, here's a dad who never punished his kids growing up, suddenly trying to get a hold of petulant brats, I guess. It's time for our younger adults to behave like mature adults. What is his problem? All right. The governor's order does not apply to alcohol sold at convenience or grocery stores, wine and liquor stores, or retail businesses. It goes into effect at 11 p.m. on Saturday, July 11th. Businesses who violate the order could lose their alcohol license. DHEC says 22% of all coronavirus cases are people between the ages of 21 and 30, and there's been a 436% rise in cases since June 1st in that age group. Overall, 42% of all coronavirus cases since the pandemic began have happened in the last two weeks alone. On Thursday, South Carolina's health agency DHEC announced 1,700 new cases. We don't care. We don't care. So, all right, I was hoping we could read... I, I should have thought of it if I had had this great thought beforehand, because here's what I do, assuming it's legal. If you just can't sell the alcohol, you can make it free, right? Like if you can serve it, but you can't sell it, would be my question for the, the loophole. If that's the way it's written. So if that's the way it's written, and I'm a bar, you know what I do? I move to a $50 cover. You just come on in, you get a wristband, Tap beer all night, whatever. Beer and wine. Serve till we close. Have at it. Make it a $30 cover. Something. In fact, that would take effect at like 1045. <laughs> if you're going to stay, it's 30 bucks, but it's all the beer and wine you can drink till we close at midnight, whatever the time is. Just to put a, just to put a thumb wrong. in the eye. Yeah, what could possibly go wrong there? Probably everything. But I'm so tired of the overreach and this thing where we're telling everybody else how to live. The people that wear the masks want to scream at people that don't wear the mask. The people that don't want to wear the mask feel out of place being in public because everyone around you is saying, well, you just don't care about the safety of others. No, no. I just don't want to wear the mask. I just don't see the point. My initial reaction to this was that McMaster... Is obviously pandering, right? Of course. Yeah. Because that's what politicians do. And then I just looked it up, and he's not even up for re-election this go-round. So he's in until 2022. So I don't even know why he's putting (laughs) forth all the effort. That might might be why he's just phoning it in. Because, I mean, if he were up for re-election, it'd be over at this point. Like, just because he's been such a dud throughout this nobody likes the guy the people who want the masks and the statewide mandate didn't get that the people who think it's all being overblown or feeling encroached upon with their individual rights and liberties and all that good stuff that you can make an argument for i I think quite easily uh, these days so he'd be in trouble either way slice it all right anyway covid is fake covid is fake covid is fake and anybody that argues with you just tell them even the news is having i mean they're having to invent the struggle they're manufacturing racism just like the far left has done for so long now we got another one of those this week that young man made up a hate crime the media making up covid 
Okay, let's take a quick break, and I'm going to tell you uh, real quick how to win the Safari Land holster before we talk about uh, a little bit deeper dive into American racism going around right now. Okay, here's what we want to do. We want to hand you a brand new Safari Land 578 GLS holster. It is the compact fit holster. You can slide in your Glock 19 or your Smith & Wesson SDBE9, SIG P229, Walter CCP, and much, much more. The Safari Land 578 GLS holster usually sells in the store, what, about 50 bucks? I think these guys Sounds run. About right. Uh, but we've got one for free, courtesy of the Felt Recoil Show for you. It's very easy to win. Are you ready? Here's all you have to do. Simply tag us in your favorite comment this coming week on Instagram. Go on Instagram. Give us a follow at Felt Recoil Show. That is at Felt Recoil Show. Then when you comment on something, whatever you want, doesn't have to be a news article, doesn't have to be a gun-related issue, just whatever you want. If it's quippy and it's funny and you think we'd like it, tag us in it. The one that makes us laugh the hardest will be the winner, and we'll announce that winner on our next episode. It's that simple. So get on Instagram, give us a follow at Felt Recoil Show, and then your slyest, bestest, most uh, pithy comment of the week, tag us in it. So if it gives you a chuckle, it'll probably give us a chuckle, and then we'll give you a holster, okay? We'll cover the shipping. We'll throw in some stickers, maybe a pint glass if you're lucky. And I uh, hope Caleb got his, by the way. Did Caleb get his, Patrick? Did we mail, mail uh, Caleb's did, pint glass I off? did mail his out. All right. Uh, so that should be on the way, Caleb. Uh, sorry for any delay I caused there. I did cause a delay there. I'm sorry. Um, all right. That's simple. If you want to win... That's how you do it. Follow us on Instagram at Shell. Tag us in your favorite comment this coming week. Uh, And do it more than once. We don't care. We like reading them and then laughing and then uh, moving on. Okay. Who's ready for some Nick Cannon? You haven't heard this audio, Patrick. First of all, I don't think anyone's ever responded positively to that question. Who's Uh, ready for some Nick Cannon? Yeah. No one ever. Let me set the stage. Uh, You watch sports stuff. Sorry. Real quick, Mariah yeah. Carey. She is crazy. She, well, she she married him or something, right? So Yeah. I was gonna say she probably somebody but, probably said that to her. Who's ready for some Nick Cannon? And she was like, Me and then You know what's you know ten what, minutes later they were married. You know what's interesting about that is the public perception of that relationship for so long now was whoa. Nick Cannon got really lucky and he married Mariah Carey. And then she went crazy. She went super duper crazy. And everybody was like, poor Nick Cannon. But now, knowing what we know, she was the unlucky one because he's crazy. See, we felt like he was the unlucky one. He drove her to madness is the point I'm trying to make here. I can follow that logic. And 100 extra pounds. Um <laughs> Wow. You don't. <laughs> risky. You don't, risky. You don't have to eat all your feelings. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Who's the one to talk? Not me. All right. Uh, <laughs> let's, let, let me set the stage here. You watch sports stuff, Micah. I do. Skip Bayless has a show with Shannon Sharp. Is that the guy's name? Yes. Okay. So Skip Bayless says... Why are you allowed to show support for Louis Farrakhan, who is anti-Semitic, 
as it gets. Shannon Sharp is so defensive and angry, but all he has to say is, the minister said that's not what it meant. And Skip Bayless is so timid in his approach. And you can tell he doesn't even want to mention it, but something has compelled him to say so, that he just can't bring himself to really confront the racism of Louis Farrakhan, who is through and through a racist man. I'm not going to play the clip because Nick Cannon's going to take most of the time here. Skip Bayless. What? I said coronavirus was over in the last segment, Micah. What if Micah just started doing his own show? Like he, he's bored with what we're doing? Boring. I don't think that's me. So he, that's not me there, Chris. Oh, okay. It's me. Sorry. But okay. I, I thought it was coming from over there. I thought that'd be really funny if Micah was just like playing his own sound bites into his microphone. He just starts like, doing his so own anyway. show. I'm not over this coronavirus thing, man. I'll tell you, there's more to be said. All right, sorry, that's my fault. These sorry, Michael. are talking about. All right, so you got Skip Bayless who can't say that Louis Farrakhan's a racist, even though Louis Farrakhan is a racist. And then you've got uh, the other gentleman, uh, whose name I cannot remember, who goes on a diatribe recently about how Black Lives Matter, the organization, is a crazy, far-left Marxist organization. Terry Crews. Well, Terry Crews is one, which, by the way, who would have thought we could belittle sexual assault survivors on the air now. I didn't know that was cool again. So good to know. Thank you, Don Lemon. Wayfair is bringing it back. For letting us know. Don Lemon is a jerk. Anyway, uh, yeah, no Terry Crews, but then there's a black broadcaster on ESPN who said he's not going to say he sides with Black Lives Matter, and he doesn't think that painting Black Lives Matter on the side of the basketball courts in Florida while the NBA plays at Disney, he doesn't think it's a great idea because it's a Marxist radical organization. Nobody says anything about it. Stephen A. Smith? That's him. Is it? Was it Stephen A. Smith? Mm, no, it's a different guy. It's not Stephen A. Smith, but I'm sure I can see him saying it too. But. Am I getting my ESPN black guys mixed up? No, 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 no. Um, all right, hold on. I'll find it. ESPN, because he has his own show, and... He says he will not side or say Black Lives Matter. And he even points out, he goes, I mean, who am I to side with these people? I'm a black man with my own black show and a black co-host. Like, how how can I support this? How, how can I uh, support Black Lives Matter? And uh, it, it's a pretty telling clip. There he is. The show's called... Uh, speak for yourself. It was a June 30th uh, broadcast. Uh, what is this guy's name? You ever heard of that show, Micah? Speak for yourself. I actually have not. All right. Let me, uh, real quick, let me get this guy's name so I give him due credit. But the point is, he goes on and says all this about, you know, I'm not going to say it. Uh, I think Jason Whitlock. Uh, oh, no kidding. Wait, 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 wait. Did I not know this? That's June 30th. Okay, no, it's not Jason Whitlock. Speak for yourself. Sorry, everybody. Um, 
Yeah, it doesn't matter too much. I'm not going to waste too much time. Anyway, the guy has a uh, fantastic diatribe. I'm sure you've seen it at this point. And he basically says, how uh, can I justify that? I have a, I have a show on ESPN with another black man. And, you know, the, the people are, are looking for this, uh, you know, this Marxist organization to be honored. And, uh, and I'm not going to do that. And, and nobody gets upset about it, right? It's a fair thing for a black man to say. But then the white woman, who is a co-owner of the Atlanta WNBA team, comes out and says the exact same thing. And her players go, see, see, she thinks she's our master. She thinks she's our master. Um, now this guy right here. I don't know who that guy is. Yeah, I've never, never heard of him before, but he, he's great. I mean, he goes on. He reads directly from their website, and he basically says uh, it's terrible stuff. Anyway, look, here's the point. Um, the Redskins are talking about you know changing their name now. You have all these things where even the slightest hint of bigotry or disagreement with the uh, commonly repeated refrains of the media right now will cost you your job, your livelihood, whatever. Back to Nick Cannon. Listen, this is Nick Cannon on his podcast called Cannon's Class. He's interviewing a very radical, anti-Semitic black man, and Nick Cannon decides to give his take on the history of white people and the Jews. So therefore, the only way that they can act is evil. The only way they can, they, they have to rob, steal, rape, kill, and fight or flight okay. in, or, in order to survive. Exactly. So then these people who didn't have what we had, and when I say we, I speak of the mm-hmm. melanated people. Okay, real quick. Do you remember we talked about that dude being crazy from Infac? Yeah. Because he said they were the melanated people mm-hmm. and that white people hijacked R&B music and synthesized it because the, I got wider. Yeah, you got wider. Mm-hmm. But his point was the real rhythm caused the melatonin to increase in black people and make them who that they were supposed science. to be. That's science. Science. Here's Nick, so Nick Cannon seems to agree with that guy's logic. Right. They had to be savages. They had white people to and be Jews. Barbaric. They had because they're in these Nordic mountains. They're in these rough. Uh, torrential environment, mm. so they they're acting as animals. Right. So they're the ones that are actually closer to animals. They're the ones that are actually the true savages. And then they built up such this this I don't want to say warrior, but they built up such this 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 conquering mm. uh, barbaric mentality that they're coming out of Europe. They then said, in order for us to survive, we have to take what's not ours. And then they went into the land that actually where we are originated. Mm-hmm. And instead of trying to make friends, they said, we want what you got. Because there's this mentality of the whether it's the Caesars or, or even that, that we have to conquer. Right, right, right. So I say all that to say the context. And when, when we speak of whether it's. Jewish people, white people, Europeans, the Illuminati. Mm. They were doing that as survival tactics right. to stay on this planet. Right, because we they, never had to do that. Right, right, because but, but, did you hear that last line? We never had to do that. So white white people, the Jews, the Nordic tribes, they had to rape pillage and conquer Don't in order to survive. The Illuminati, sir. And the Illuminati, they had to rape kill and torture to survive we never had to do that 
Not us. First Not us. First Here's how I know he's wrong. You've heard of Africa? I know for a fact. Oh, okay. 100% proven fact that Jay-Z and Beyonce are in the Illuminati. Tell me more. And they are both uh, melanited or whatever... <laughs> The term was. Yeah, that I don't guy know. Used. I don't even that? know what he's. I don't even <laughs> talk about. Maybe it's nitride. I'm it, not sure. Honest to God, it sounds to me like the people from Superman's home planet. Like Very if well a comic book nerd said to me, "Nah, man, Superman was melanated," I'd go, <laughs> "That's where he got his power." And he go, "Yeah, he's melanated." I would say that makes. So if sense. you're melanated, but you're in the Illuminati, I feel like Nick Cannon's whole argument just imploded. That's all I'm saying. Fair. Here's the problem with Nick, Nick Cannon's argument. First of all, first of all, <clears throat> there's a bigger picture I want to make sure we hit on here. Sometimes I wonder why we have a podcast. I think, <laughs> you know, should everyone really be able to do this? And then I find out Nick Cannon has one, and I go, yes, he absolutely. Doesn't. He doesn't. He he, well, yeah, but I mean, but we definitely should if he does. I mean, we've got to balance it out. Yeah. See, here's my problem. Nick Cannon is an absolute moron. He will probably keep his job. And the people who watch his show have no idea what the man's real beliefs are. Now, a lot of us, myself included, probably you guys, as soon as he put the turban on as a habit on the show, you knew he was off his rocker. Like, dude's making a political statement. He's not talking about any form of any religion that would in any way be cohesive to the American way of life. But we're supposed to just blindly accept him. Fine, whatever. The bigger problem for me is he's a mainstream guy. And the reason I think mainstream guys have to be called out when they act so crazy is because people tend to believe that others will agree with that idea because the vast majority, uh, the, the vast majority of black America doesn't have the mouthpiece to say, nobody agrees with what you're talking about. Nick Cannon is part of what would be the KKK of the black community. And as we mentioned last week, the KKK is just a fringe element. There's not a lot of people involved. And in fact, I don't think there's a large portion of the black community in America who think what Nick Cannon is saying is true. Okay? Certainly, there might be some ancestral belief systems in the black community, and nobody can deny them the desire to want to know. I mean, this is a displaced people. They were bought and sold. It is a crime against humanity. And so nobody can take away from them and say, you're not allowed to look into that cultural aspect and wonder where you came from and have allegiance to where you came from. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. The problem is when you turn that into, but that makes us superior. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Here's, here's the thing everybody needs to understand, and I just think this is such a powerful idea that I'm going to start saying it all the time. All people are equal, but ideas are not. You can be an equal individual to me, and your idea can be stupid and vice versa, right? Like, I can have an idea, and I can, and I, as, as a creative guy who works someone in a creative field, I have had those moments in life where something enters my head and in front of the boss and everyone else, I go, here's what we're going to do. <laughs> and then everybody looks at you and goes, no. And you go, but I thought it was great. And then later you go, eh, it probably wasn't that great. Right? Like it was probably a bad idea. 
People are equal, ideas are not. And nobody deserves to be belittled if they hold what I you know, what I think could be called a valid idea about something and they just want to share it with you. You shouldn't belittle people. But when the idea is dangerous and really fallacious in a sense, uh, I think you gotta be called out. So well, that's that you're what you're talking about is having some humility. And when you have a guy like Nick Cannon saying the things that he's saying, obviously that's not a, a, you know a, a component of his self that he actually possesses. I mean, he believes it. Right. He believes that people with darker skin are superior. He says it at the outset of that audio. Like, can, can we? Let me see if I can get that back. So therefore, the only way that they can act is evil. The only way they can, they, they have to rob, steal, rape, kill, and fight or flight okay. in, or, in order to survive. I mean, they're evil. It's the only thing white people and Europeans know is evil. It's all they've got. And the Jews, they're evil. The Illuminati, evil. Nobody's saying all African-American. I mean, can you imagine that? The white guy with whatever he does. Well, the problem with black people is uh, they're just all evil. You know, they're, all, they're all violent, evil, evil people. I got, it'd be over tomorrow. It'd be over tomorrow. Anyway. I did Nick a favor because I know he listens. He doesn't listen. Uh, and I thought... Maybe I, you should. I want to know the history of genocide in Africa, but but only African on African crime, right? Like, it's got to be Africans initiated a genocide against other Africans in order to maintain or grow territory and control. How much time did you waste on the internet finding nothing? Because it, according to Nick Cannon... Uh, only (laughs) Europeans, Jews, and the Illuminati perpetrating crimes against Africans. Do you know it only took like 10 minutes? Because here's the thing. there's a To find nothing? Right. Mm. I have this great book. I'll put it on our Facebook page. New York Times bestseller, Editor's Choice. We wish to inform you that tomorrow we will be killed with our families. Stories from Rwanda by Philip Gorovich. This is a fascinating take. On, that sounds really uplifting. Uh, it'll make you mad. Yep, it'll make you mad. It's about uh, that. The title, by the way, comes from this letter that a Tutsi tribe. So nobody's super innocent in Rwanda, if I can even say it that way. I don't know that that's even right. But the Tutsis were being slaughtered by the Hutus, and the Hutus had faced genocide in other areas of, of Africa and been displaced into Rwanda a little bit. Anyway, they write their pastor, these Tutsis do, and they say, Our dear leader, uh, how are you? We wish you to be strong in all these problems we are facing. We wish to inform you that we have heard that tomorrow we will be killed with our families. We therefore request you to intervene on our behalf and talk with the mayor. We believe that with the help of God who entrusted you the leadership of this flock, which is going to be destroyed, your intervention will be highly appreciated the same way as the Jews were saved by Esther. We give honor to you. Uh, they wrote and signed the letter, several pastors, and then um, they sent it to their pastor, and the pastor replied because they were Tutsis and said, what's coming is coming, and it's because God hates you. And that's not an exaggeration. That's almost verbatim, literally, what he told those people. Um, he was a racist man who helped facilitate the slaughter of an ethnic minority, people that he thought, not an ethnic minority, I don't think that's the right way to say it. They would, they would gauge each other based on the width of lips and noses. You can't tell them apart otherwise, but they would literally measure 
and they learn to look by sight and say, you're a part of this tribe, you have to die. They hacked people by machete to death, women and children indiscriminately in Rwanda. And that's just one example. Uh, so let me just give a broad overview. I won't dive real deep into this. You have the Burundi genocide. That's an Eastern African nation that hosted the 1993 genocide of both the Hutu and Tutsi populations. Uh, the Darfur genocide was the systematic killing of Darfuri men, women, and children, which occurred during the ongoing conflict in the Western Sudan. Uh, it's become known as the first genocide of the 21st century, the Rwandan genocide, which I just covered. Uh, the first Congo War, also nicknamed Africa's first world war. This is 1996 to 97, a civil war and international military conflict, which uh, took place mostly in Zaire. Zaire is the modern-day Democratic Republic of the Congo. Uh, major spillovers during that war into Sudan and Uganda. In October of 96, troops of the Rwanda-backed uh, Democratic Alliance of Forces for the Liberation of the Congo-Zaire attacked refugee camps that were home to more than half a million Hutu refugees, respectively. Elements of that group, and more so of the Rwandan Patriotic Army, systematically shelled numerous camps and committed massacres with light weapons. In Somalia, you had what I believe is pronounced as the Isak Genocide, uh, or the Horjisa Holocaust, the systematic state-sponsored massacre of Isak civilians between 1987 and 1989. I was eight years old when that happened. This isn't like forever ago, Nick. This is recent memory. You were probably alive too. Uh, that was a massacre of civilians by the Somali Democratic Republic under the dictatorship of Syed Bar. The number of civilian deaths in that massacre, somewhere between 50,000 and 100,000, according to various sources. Remember, that's a two-year period. Nine unarmed black men shot in America. That's what everybody's griping about right now, right? And some of those were justified, but they just didn't happen to have a weapon on them when it happened. Not all of them, but some of them were justified. In Zimbabwe, this will be the last one, Robert Mugabe violently seized control in the 80s and soon made it illegal to be white and own land in Zimbabwe. His regime led the black people of Zimbabwe into famine and depression, and countless white people were targeted and killed as a direct result of Mugabe's racist regime. If you've never seen or read... Mugabe and the White African. Go look it up and read it. It's about Ben Freeth and his family. Blow your mind. So this idea, by the way, that the Jews and the white people are the only ones guilty of hate, the only ones capable of killing in the name of some belief system, uh, just way off base. So it makes you wonder, I guess, the reason I wanted to bring it up and flesh it out is because uh, I don't think that's where we are today, but I wonder where that kind of talk takes us in the near future unless somebody does something to nick cannon as, as in firing him you have to fire him he has to be thrown out of public discourse and not allowed back in until he changes his ways i think you know as well as everybody else that'll be ignored though yeah i mean it's it, that will be like it never happened now again just like the point you made earlier Flip flip that on its head, and it's uh, you know a white guy saying that about black people. That guy's life is over. Yeah, I'm not saying that's that. What I'm saying is Nick Cannon. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to um, be nice. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I'm trying to 
use nice words. Well, it, you know, like you said, if, if a white guy was on TV tonight, tomorrow, whenever, and he goes, I mean, black people in America want to gripe. Look at Africa. Right. They would be like, holy crap. You can't, like, why would you even draw that? Because it's, it's an illogical conclusion to draw, right? It's a very racist conclusion to say, you know, hey, listen. Because one of the things I like to really tease people about when they say I'm African-American is, okay, but you got to be careful with that. Like, I get it, but you got to be careful because what part of Africa? Like, we just ran down a laundry list of very violent, bad places. So pick one. Which one? What are you really, like, you know, I get what you're saying. Yeah, but you got to be careful. You got to be careful, like, where, where you put your allegiance. But I see your point. Like, if, if, if the white guy says it's a big deal. So is that where we are? Like, we, are, we seem to literally be in a point in America where black people are allowed to have opinions that white people aren't. Yeah, I guess that's Absolutely. what I guess that's where I was headed. Was you know the narrative? Uh, if a white person were to say something like that, it, it checks all the boxes, right? It, right. it creates it's outrage. Yeah. So uh, that that's that's reason enough to go uh, rob and loot. However, uh, if you're if you're Nick Cannon, yeah, you know, it gets brushed under the rug. Everybody moves along, mm-hmm. and that you know I, I personally have a problem with that. I think that's very. It's it's a strange outcome, I think, to a more complex problem that the media has created. So, in recent memory, let's go around real quick. Just help me. In recent memory, who is the white person that was fired for legitimately saying something very racist about black people? Like, who overtly said something that was so racist? It was like, geez, he deserved that, or she deserved that. I do remember the Don Imus thing. That's been several years ago, though. Yeah, yeah. I, that's the only. But we that's can't the only speak one Ill I can of think the of. dead. But he was. That was a racist thing. That was about the Rutgers female basketball yep. team, right? Yep. Nappy headed hose. Nappy headed hose. Yeah, he called him nappy headed hose. Yeah. Talking like recently in the last few weeks. Or? Yeah, yeah. I'm Even saying that's been like that's been that was ten years, years ago, probably. Yeah, yeah that, I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah, about the. No, yeah, I'm thinking. Uh, I'm thinking. You know. In the middle of all this Black Lives Matter outrage where everything's being canceled and everyone's being thrown under the bus, like, what's the thing? I can't off the top of my head come up with, oh, yeah, that was. And not to say it hasn't happened. Not to say it hasn't happened. My point here is the lies and the double standard have now far outweighed whatever would have been a legitimate gripe. Right? About racism. Well, the next closest thing they have is when someone says all lives matter. And then that, that yeah. sets everybody off like a Roman candle. And then they shoot that person and leave her for dead. That is true. Which happened in Indiana this week. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's but that's that is the the most outrageous thing someone has done. Can you imagine? It's it's pretty strange. And it's getting absolutely no coverage whatsoever. Right. Yep. None of the violence from the groups is right. Yeah. Like. It's like if you're a part of the Black Lives Matter crowd, even if you're not actually there to support the cause of Black Lives Matter, you do whatever you want and nobody's going to say anything bad about it. But again, the protests as they were happening, quote unquote protests, Mm -hmm. were obviously much more than protests as they're burning buildings down and Mm -hmm. looting and stealing everything that wasn't screwed down out of Target and Best Buy and everywhere in between. I mean... 
am I missing something here? Right. It was like, never really about it. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just, it's so, it's so absurd. Yeah. I can't even wrap my head around it. And there's and no, so say are you saying anything about it? You are now racist. You're labeled. Right. Uh, the, you're the problem. You're the reason why it's happening. Actually. You seem to be suggesting there is no legitimate Black Lives Matter movement. Right. Yeah. I would agree with that. It's, it, you know, it, it, even the criticism of the women that started it is crazy in the sense that now you're racist if you say, okay, but she's on tape admitting they're trained Marxists. Now, let's let's really dive deep into who the trained Marxists of the recent eras of, of the world history are. And Jay Guevara. Fidel Castro, yeah. I guess what we're talking about here. We're talking about death and imprisonment of political dissenters. And she's not shying away from that kind of stuff. No. These people are out in the streets saying they'll kill you. The infat guys at Stone Mountain are there saying, we're here, we're ready, we're going to kill you. Nobody. nobody. I mean, nobody wants to act outraged about it. Cra- I mean, we're having conversations in our neighborhoods now of people saying, what weapon do I need to have? And how can we coordinate so if it comes here, we're ready? It's crazy. It's crazy. The only reason we're not considered in a civil war right now, I truly believe, is because it's just that nobody has said it. Nobody in an official position, because we're there. I mean, Americans are killing other Americans in the street over political beliefs and differences. I think the idea has been brewing for a while. Mm -hmm. Uh, Michael Savage wrote a book, I think, called uh, Stop the Coming Civil War. Uh, I listened to a podcast uh, six or eight months ago. It was basically the premise was uh, we are approaching a boiling point, and the only outcome is just that, a civil war. And uh, so this guy, he he kind of starts off um, maybe like six-episode series or something, and he kind of starts off kind of down the middle, middle of the road. And then, it, then every scenario – where he suggests that we're getting close to civil war, uh, what what would have to happen for it to really actually it hit what we would technically call the start of a civil war? It always every scenario was about some right wing, you know, militant group, yep. you know, the boogie boys, sure, or the three percenters, or right. whatever you want to call it. it. It was always those guys starting something. And what's funny about that podcast is that thinking back about it now, as you look at where the violence has escalated from, mm-hmm. and you're looking at Portland, you're looking at Seattle, yeah, you're looking at all these cities where you got people blocking traffic. Yeah, there's no right wing militant guys out there dressed in camo, holding their ARs, stopping traffic. Right, they're not the ones shooting at people. And I'm it- not saying those people don't exist. I'm not saying they couldn't possibly be a problem they very well could be i'm just saying that all the prediction leading up to what was supposed to start the civil war from the left's perspective turns out to be the exact opposite yeah um i would almost i would argue that i believe the media is waiting for them to respond so that they can get yes. what they want, which I think is violence. The media wants violent confrontation, and they want to be able to blame it on the right. I so I think you're more right than you know about the fact that no one said it yet. So think yeah. back to uh, 08 yeah. when everything crashed. 
mm-hmm. and you had all these people on TV and they were saying, well, we don't really know. It could be a depression. Mm. And then the narrative changed to it's the great recession, right? right? They didn't want to say depression. They called it a recession. Right. I think we're in the same scenario now where no one wants to say it because saying it suddenly makes it true. Mm. Even though we all know, we feel it it's right bad. now today. Yeah. We're living it. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think that's all it is. I think you're exactly right. If someone doesn't get on CNN and say it as they literally burn the lobby of CNN down. Yeah. Then suddenly it's not true. It's not a thing because they didn't tell us it is. And I think it proves the media wants it by the fact that they don't call for its destruction. The media could very well get, get out there today and go, we got to put a stop to this. We got to squash these violent riots that are happening in our streets. There is no legitimate reason to be violent and to riot and to burn and pillage. But instead they go, well, we don't listen until we riot. And so, I mean, think about, I don't know the lady's name. There's that black woman who's kind of famous now because she's out there going, I was in Ferguson and we didn't do anything about Ferguson and they had to do this. And now here we are again. When are we going to start listening? When are we going to start? And she's just excusing and excusing and excusing. And you go, no, 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 no. You just tell us what's happening and then we draw our conclusions, right? But in, in, instead what they're doing is they're setting it up so that the rioters are justified. And then they made the Boog Boys racist, even though it's not really a thing. It's kind of like a loose internet joke about, you know, I've made the comment, I'm sure, about, you know, oh, we're going to build a big igloo and all that kind of stuff. But just, it was all loosely based on... That's because you're racist. Well, that no, but yeah. Uh, no, but based on the idea of um, we know that the government is bloated, the right. media is out of control and partisan, and it just feels like there's a day of reckoning coming. But it was it was never, ever intended to be anything of, of a race-oriented nature. But the media has made it that because they know there's a confrontation coming. They know it's coming. And the minute, the minute that one of these protesters opens fire into a car with a family in it. So let's use Atlanta. So they shoot that eight-year-old girl in Atlanta which, by the way, our common ground with the NAACP, just so we don't forget to mention, is that the NAACP wants the mayor out in Atlanta. And the NAACP says it's because she's culpable in the death of that eight-year-old girl. Totally agree. Totally agree. Common ground. Common, that's good. Common ground. She needs to go. Foggy Bottom needs to go. <laughs> I'm going I'm to correct my reference. So... um, Lost my train of thought. They know it's coming. They're allowing it to brew. And imagine, yes, so imagine it's a white family in that car and the white man pulls in, make it me. And they shoot through there and they get one of my kids. And let's just say I'm traveling the way I normally do. Everybody outside that car is going to have a really, really bad last day on earth. Really, really bad last day. I mean, probably be my last day on earth. I'm, that would absolutely not fly. So then what happens? Well, you got this guy. He was a small government right winger, and he rolled up on a Black Lives Matter protest, and he just started shooting. That's the way they, that's the way they would report that story. Yeah, they'd probably throw in that you were in the uh, Illuminati, too. That's exactly right. Non-melatonin-ish. Yeah. 
non-melatonoid. I don't even know the phrase. Melanite. Not Superman. <laughs> Melanited. Like the barrel of a gun. I think a ton of non-chromolies are sorry to interrupt. No, no. Um, I think a lot of people are living in fear these days. Uh, yeah. especially just you know it, it seems like everybody, you know, associated with Black Lives Matter movement is just they have a get out of jail free card for anything they want to do. And there's tons of great wonderful Americans out there true patriots that are just sitting there in silence because they they know that they're either going to lose their job, they're going to become a target if they right. even speak up against. And that, that that's a big problem right and, now. And so. they're probably smart enough to know that if we just give it time, the fire might burn itself out. That's a, yeah. These people might go out there and get all their aggression out. We might have to lose a few small businesses. We can hope that the private sector, you know, the people step in and fund the rebuilding of those businesses. It happened for that guy. Was it Minnesota where that firefighter had retired and opened his sports bar and then they burned it down, but he was able to raise nearly half a million dollars. Remember that? I missed that one. I think it was either Philadelphia or Minnesota. It doesn't matter. But the point is you can hope things like that happen. You know, he's a little bit of um, – What's the phrase for the side casualties of war? You know, he's a... Um, Innocent bystander. Yeah, but there's that phrase they use, you know, when somebody dies as a result of war, but they weren't a combatant. Why can't I come up with it? You, I got nothing. You know what I'm talking about. All right, it'll come to me in a second. Anyway, the, 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 you are going to have collateral these... Collateral damage? Thank you very that much. That's okay. where I'm going, yeah. There's going to be collateral damage like that guy, but... but you know, we can bond together, come together and help rebuild him. And so my point here is you think the smarter people, the wiser people are hopefully just sitting back and going, let it burn itself out. But we need local leaders to squash it so that innocent people stop dying because we can't put up with it for too much longer. You can't let it happen in your town for too much longer. So I'm complimenting your point. I'm not arguing your point. I I think you're right, Micah. There's good people out there who are just kind of sitting idly by, not idle, but silently by and saying, okay, please peter out now. Please be done because we can't take a whole lot more. It's a terrifying idea, but but I think that's where we are. Okay. uh, Anyway, man, it's what a crazy world. It's so crazy. That it was hard to know exactly what to hit on this week, but that's what we got. Okay, I want to tell you about uh, our YouTube channel, which you can find at FeltRecoilShow.com, FeltRecoilShow.com. We have reviews of the Springfield Armory Saint, the FN 509, the SIG P365, um, the ACOG. Everything you need to know about that can be found on our YouTube channel, YouTube.com. Felt Recoil Show. You can also just link straight to it at FeltRecoilShow.com. It is time for our Voda of the Week. Mm-hmm. I'm an ambitious officer. I need to be a part of the 100 Club. <laughs> That's Voda himself right there walking us into it. Um, New York Congresswoman Alexander Acosta Cortez is our Voda. Crime is up in New York big time. They want to defund the police department big time. Crime is spiking. AOC had to say why. Here's what she came up with. 
why is this uptick in crime happening? Yeah, why? Well, let's think about it. Okay. Do we think this has to do with the fact that there's record unemployment in the United States right now? Wait, what? No, no, the I don't think there is. The fact that people are at a level of economic desperation that we have not seen since the Great Recession. Maybe this has to do with the fact that people aren't paying their rent and are scared to pay their rent. And so they go out and they need to feed their child and they don't have money. So you maybe have to, they're put in a position where they feel like they either need to shoplift some bread or go hungry that night. Um, Maybe it's the fact that unemployment provisions have not been given to everyone. Maybe it's because of the fact that people have, some people still haven't gotten their stimulus checks yet. All right. So it's unemployment. (laughs) It's no stimulus check. And it is hungry, starving children causing the stabbings and the looting and the um, massive crime wave. By the way, what's the current unemployment rate in the United States of America? Anybody know? According to me or her? Uh, according to, you know, anybody legitimate. Take a stab at it. Uh, well, I, that would not be me or her then. We'll use, um, we'll use CNN. Let's see what CNN says it is. Last three weeks. I'm going to uh, go. This is April. Yeah, 10%. 10%. That's a complete shot in the dark. Three, I don't know, 10 million. Corresponds to roughly 6% of America's which in turn applies. 9.5, according to CNN. I'm more legitimate than I thought. Now, that's, uh, that's a couple months old. That's April 2nd, 2020. We're at 9.3%. Do we have a... I think it's fallen since then. I would, I would imagine. I know we had a good month last month. Anyway, 9.3, record unemployment. Hey, anybody want to guess what the unemployment rate was in July of 1935, not long after the market fell? Anyway, she said record. Record. Anybody? 21.3%. This is in the middle of the uh, FDR's, you know, New Deal. New Deal, yeah. Which was going to save America beginning in, you know, what, 1931-ish? Mm-hmm. Hey, you know what the unemployment rate was in uh, November of 1934? 23%. So we're like, three times higher in the 30s than no, we are no right now. No one told him you're supposed to be using golf rules. <laughs> as soon as she, as soon as she he said thought, He thought it was tennis. Record unemployment. You know what she's doing? She's splicing something there because she's probably, you, the minute you call her out on it, you go, it's, it's not record unemployment. We've had national unemployment rates in the 30s and 40s in the Great Depression. What are you talking about? Oh, I meant uh, female Hispanics aged 18 <laughs> to 34. You know what I'm saying? Like That's, that's you, exactly you what they do. Who, no. were, who were born with one leg. Yeah, exactly right. They can't get jobs. Here's a woman, by the and way. Existing conditions of COVID. <laughs> Minority woman bartender elected to the House of Representatives, making more than a hundred grand a year right now, and she's griping. Fantastic. Hey, now, I yes. feel like that is nothing more than her white privilege at work. Okay, she can't have that. She can't have that. Wait. Although it should be considered white privilege when the guilted white masses put you in office simply because of the way you look, but it's not. So then she goes on. She's a double, just a double hitter for us. This week is great. So wait a second. You're telling me AOC got two voters this week. 
one voted with two sound bites. Is that fair? Okay, sure. Here she is talking about what life will be like when we defund the police. And so I don't. When people ask me what does a world where we defund the police, where you know defunding police looks like, uh-huh. I tell them it looks like a suburb, because in Yorktown Heights and in um, and in a lot of these communities in Westchester, what is the most important thing that is like political, like politically the most important thing that the world revolves around? Yeah. It's school funding. Oh. oh. School funding. All right, time out for one That's the most here. important thing. She goes on real quick, sorry, but she goes on to say that it's because wealthy people move to the suburbs to have better schools so they can give more money to the PTAs, and that's why suburbs are peaceful. I'm starting to get a migraine. <laughs> uh, sorry, I interrupted you. you I thought, would say, so you live in a suburban area. Is yeah, that fair to say? Here I am. Have you recently had to call the police? I have not. Have you recently had any interactions with the police? I have not. Nothing whatsoever. Well, how far back are we going? So we got a couple of neighbors. Beginning of the year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right after the lockdown, I noticed there was a guy in my area selling drugs. At least I thought he was, and I called the police on him, yeah. Okay, so a suburban area yeah. still needs police is the point I'm trying to make. Ah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I live downtown-ish. I would kind of consider it suburban. Um, we're kind of on the edge. Yeah. We're not really like downtown where all the shops and the restaurants are. Sure. We're kind of in a downtown neighborhood. You're more like an sense. urban area, I'd almost say. Yeah. Like just because of the of the... Way it's set up, a lot of but foot to her, traffic to walk wherever you need to go. Type but to stuff. her point, fantastic schools mm. in our area. A lot of wealthy people. I also, during the lockdown, had to call the police. What? So, things happen yeah. outside of whatever bubble she lives in. Yeah. Where the police are sometimes instrumental to our way of life. Right. I, I don't know if she knows that or not. Maybe the police never came inside the bar where she worked. Probably because they had like a picture of Che on one wall and then like, right. like a sickle and hammer on yeah. the other wall. Let them handle it themselves. Yeah. Michael, you, you're an apartment guy, right? I am. Yeah. that I think apartments are just more of a great gauge of society and its need for oversight, right? Like disciplined uh, kind of contact with the police. I think it's funny to consider that uh, that's a good point you make. Uh, suburbs do require police. You have bad neighbors. You have people that come and go. I think suburbs work and are cohesive because the people know each other, right? We've I've mentioned it here. I, I'm surrounded by black neighbors. Minimum, I mean, what am I? Help me not exaggerate here. 30 homes on the two streets that would compose my quote-unquote neighborhood. I'm on a double cul-de-sac off of a main road, not really in a neighborhood per se. But it feels but, suburban. But it is. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm not disagreeing with that because we're kind of right next to a neighborhood as well. But not to digress too much. I'm going to say, let's go down the road real fast. Two, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twenty, 20 max, 15 to 20 houses on these two streets. Minimum three black families. 
that I can think of off the top of my head. One Hispanic family. So it's a good mixture of the population. I get it. I've never had any problems with any of my minority neighbors. It's all the white people, man. Seriously, <laughs> it is. It is. But the but the point I'm making is we all get along. You know, when my black neighbors' kids come up and ride their bikes down the hill, we say, hey, we talk. You know, when my other black neighbors, uh, and, and I'm just not using their names on purpose, by the way, but when they, you know, when the husband and wife go for walks at night, we see them and say, hey, sometimes we walk with them. It's, it's not really a thing of we're not disconnected. We're all connected. We know each other. So we know the world is not what the media feeds us. And AOC and her ilk rely and hope and pray on people who don't know that, you know, who uh, are insulated, have their core group of friends, and that's all they see. Slow the information voters, though, right? Yeah, there you go. I yeah. mean, that, that they have a term. An oldie that, but a goodie. That yeah. is what they are. That's right. A little Rush Limbaugh reference there. All right, anyway, Costed, uh, what's her name? Alexandria Costed Cortez. Um, uh, it's a, uh, fetch me another beer. <laughs> I can't tell if you're being chauvinistic or it's just. It's because she was a bartender. Belittling her because she was a bartender. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I can make that joke because I was a bartender, okay? Wow, peas, peas in a pod. Peas in a pod. <laughs> All right, uh, rapid fire here. To, uh, did we leave anything out? Anybody wanted to mention that we didn't mention? Micah, you go first. What didn't you get off your chest this week? You need to get off your chest. I think we covered everything. Good. Yeah. All right, patriotic hero right there. You good? Hulon? Always. Okay. Hey, if you want that holster, it is the Safari Land 578 GLS holster. It's the compact fit style. Uh, made for a variety of guns, including but not limited to the Glock 19, the Smith & Wesson SDVE9, the SIG 229. All you got to do is follow us on Instagram at Felt Recall Shell and tag us in what you believe is your best comments throughout this week. And we'll pick the one that makes us laugh the hardest and we'll send that holster off to you. In the meantime, in between time, make sure you find us at FeltRecallShow.com. You can find all of our social media there. Uh, please tell a friend. And make sure you subscribe and leave a rating on the podcast. That's how uh, other people can find the show. New episodes of the Felt Recall podcast can be found wherever you get your podcasts every Tuesday morning. And so we'll see you in seven more days. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>